Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of The Todd Donald Show, a weekly podcast where artists and performers go to chat about nothing. Hosted by Canadian singer-songwriter Todd Donald. Hey everyone, Todd here, and it is 2021. Welcome. On this week's episode, I'm very happy to introduce someone you may know as the singer of the song Rumspringa. Most importantly, though, Rosie Sircone, which is her name, is a world-class, classically trained percussionist, wielding primarily the vibraphone whilst singing, and in that fashion is releasing this week an album called The How and the Why, comprised of original songs, and couldn't be happier that I got to chat with my first Washingtonite, but she just, as a person, is uh, what a wonderful, bright, intelligent human being. A segue that couldn't be more absurd yet appropriate I'd like to spin right now our collaboration. K.P. Parker has been making episodes of a five-minute television show that you can currently watch under primetime on channel101.com. And since I'm super into that world, I wanted to make that show Rumspringa a tribute song or a closing theme to a movie if there, if there was a movie version of it in the 80s. D- don't even. Uh, I did one for a show called Nipple Sucking Aliens and Breadtown. Sourcing reference from male vocal pop acts like Oingo Boingo, Kenny Loggins, Peter Gabriel, Prince, and uh, KP was like ABBA being her favorite group. And I was like, yes, I love ABBA. Task accepted. And when I started making it, I'm like, I don't fucking know, man. I can't sing this. And later on, last week's guest, John Maxim, passed word of someone he'd been collaborating with last year. And then, boom, this happened. The song you're about to hear, and the conversation that follows it. Here we go, peeps. It's Rumspringa, being sung by Rosie Sircone. Did you hear a beat? Did I send a tweet in the night? Was it just a dream? you in my arms? I heard the voices of the world. Rumspringa. Oh, 
welcome on the show finally We've, we got it together yes i know i had to reschedule you on you once and so so sorry about that but i'm glad that i'm finally getting to talk to you today this is exciting when i played 12 a few episodes ago i'm not sure if i said your name right it's rosie but the last name circone am i saying that yes you did say it right and i was really impressed that you said it right most people do not so good <laughs> job circone circone it's circone i have i yeah yeah circone um no no qua sound in there you <laughs> what, got what it. is that like it's italian so we're definitely not saying it with the correct italian pronunciation it's very much the Americanized right. way of saying it. But my dad's family, his grandparents were from Italy. Right. So Ciccone. I think it's like Tricconi. Oh. That's how a lot of people will say it when they actually know what they're talking about. I mean, I watched the Godfather movies once, so I'm well studied on, on Italian culture. That, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like you know pretty much everything there is to know. It's so. all there. You go. It's all in there. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I I find you fascinating based on it. It's all on your website and on your Patreon, of course. You have a Patreon. We should definitely plug that. For someone who just graduated college this year, if that's uh, still up to date, quite an uh, impressive. Yes, it is. Backlog at this point of playing in all these orchestras. There was a week long tour you did of the Harry Potter. <clears throat> concert series uh, where you played in the orchestra for that, which is neat. Yeah. But there's all kinds of stuff you have going on. Sorry, I can't list it all right now. Uh, my head is going to explode from unrelated Again. pain. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know where to start, but I definitely want to put on the record, of course, or re-put on the record, uh, my longtime friend, John Maxim. How astounded we are. Not astounded, like surprised, but overwhelmed we are by how talented you are. He's the one who gave me your name when I was looking for someone who, who who could sing. And I did this tribute to a Channel 101 show for KP Parker about her show Rumspringa. And you sang and superbly. Mm -hmm. And she absolutely oh, loves you. what we did. That's so awesome. I mean, we connected through the net if anyone out there needs specifics, but everyone can understand how that patchwork. <laughs> <laughs> um, that project was so fun. I was so excited. Like you mentioned, I am just out of college. So first off, anybody getting in touch with me about any work right now is extremely exciting, especially it being 2020 as right. well. But, um, you know, as I'm trying to build this career. So that was exciting in and of itself. But then just the project and how fun it was. And you were very fun to work with and easy to work with as well, which always makes it a blast. So, yeah, and I'm glad that I got to be a part of a creation that actually ended up, up meaning so much to somebody too. Mm -hmm. It's um, it's a very good feeling. So before I move off of that, uh, I just wanted to say like it's very. I also don't want to use the term nuanced, <laughs> but there's fine <laughs> points to professionality when it comes to collaboration and bringing someone on board. And and I tried to break this down with John. One can be really mm -hmm. talented. The things that aren't having to be communicated instinctual god damn it this is okay. th there's something to be said about how special it is when you when you're working with someone who's talented yes but also able to know what you're going for in so many details that aren't even being communicated and to produce mm -hmm. the result that doesn't require okay I like what you're doing here but more this I don't, I don't even know how to say it anymore yeah especially with like remote recording kind of projects and getting able to collaborate with people you can't work in person with, which has been the overarching theme of this year. There's only so much you can say at the end of the day and so much that you can work on when you're not right there with somebody. Yeah. It's definitely kind of a learning curve and, and not everybody that you work with remotely, you're probably going to match up with, you know. Um, luckily, in our case, I think it did work out. So it's really nice when that connection works out and works well. Lo and behold, for, <laughs> like, like the song went world famous. For those of you who've heard Rumspring and, and didn't know, Rosie Sircone, who I'm talking <laughs> to, is not just an amazing singer. I've listened to your original music. You have an amazing single out called 12. I love it. You're singing on it. It's amazing. Thank you. You're a super talented musician. You recorded that yourself, I believe. Recorded and mixed it myself. And then I got it mastered by Siegfried Meyer, actually. Oh, right on. So. Okay. Like, there you go. There's there's just a few things. A few irons and multiple fires, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're also a teacher. 
in a way that can be best explained by you? I know that there's the Den Collective, but I don't I don't know how yeah. I don't know how teaching is done these days. I uh, so I went to school for a music performance major, so that didn't mean that teaching was completely off of on my plate, but I knew I didn't want to be an elementary school or middle school band teacher. I completely respect anybody that does that because that is so much work. You have to be an incredibly special and motivated and talented kind of person to do that. Just wasn't my calling. I am doing some Zoom lessons right now, mostly for beginning vibraphonists with um, jazz theory, just kind of like early basic jazz theory. And then I've also, yeah, with the Den Collective this year, I've done songwriting lessons. I also did a songwriting course over the summer for four weeks, which was really fun. And this is the first year that I've done any kind of Zoom lessons for sure, definitely any songwriting lessons. It's been super fun and I want to try to grow it over this next year and years to come. I think working on I, I think the songwriting process is really just working on the creative process, really. When you boil it down, I think it can go into so many aspects of your life. You can take those skills and the way you create things in so many aspects of your life. So I really want to continue taking on students and also just do more collaborative songwriting with people in general because... It's so fun, and I learn so much from it every time I do it. Well, your, your online presence is very emblematic of just how passionate you are about doing things music-related on all fronts. Not knowing you in person, like I, I'm just curious to know how much. Um, I guess it's a two-part question. Do you feel like you're doing enough <laughs> right now, creatively and? musically that you're satisfied as a creative performer and also do you feel like with everything that you're doing creatively that the rest of your life and the experience is nurtured by that or sorry the two-part question unfolds <laughs> because I'm trying to explain that like if, if you keep yourself so busy like do you have enough time to be social and, and all that other stuff that life experience that informs yeah, creative yeah. ideas like no one has a story to tell if all they're doing is telling stories so yeah yeah do you, do you feel satisfied by what you're doing musically? And also, do you feel satisfied as a human? Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. I've recently also started uploading more on a YouTube channel. So like another social media and just like art outlet in general to add to the plate. But I was kind of talking about this in one of my videos as far as my relationship with the amount of art I put out. And just like anybody that is like an artist that's really present on social media it's so easy to make it look like you do nothing but art all of the time or nothing but writing and creating music or playing music and so the first thing is that it's like i am very much a normal person i have days where I don't want to play and I just like feel kind of meh and just want to lay in my bed and watch Netflix that is not like I yeah I'm not like proud to say that so to speak but I'm trying to get better at being proud to say that if that makes sense because I think there's definitely been parts of my life where I'm definitely can get very addicted to the feeling of being productive it's good for me to slow down and have that time like you were talking about of just being a normal human and living life so that you not only have stories to draw from for your art but also just for yourself and your own well-being. So I think I am definitely happy with the art and music I'm making. I don't think I would say I'm completely satisfied, and I don't know if I ever will be because I think that's what pushes me to keep creating all the time. It's because I love it, but also because I know there's always more that I can do, which isn't scary or sad to me. It's really exciting that there's always more that I can do and always more that I can grow to. Right. right now, this is like the first time in my life this last few months where I've gotten much better at leaving time for things other than music and art because I was in school for music the last four years. I definitely... I mean, with anybody that's gone to music school will know that you have to put like a very unhealthy amount of time and work into right. it. And I'm sure that's the same for most arts majors, if not any major you really care about. So yeah, I've definitely this year been learning a lot about the balance side of it. And I have more to work on. Overall, I, I am very happy with the life I have 
outside of music and outside what it looks like my day-to-day life is online. So, Right on. The next song is by someone whose music I've been a fan of for 15 years at this point, who I recently spoke with verbally for the first time ever, uh, and a Bostonite whose connection I first made with them was 15 years ago on a music platform called MySpace. If you don't know what that is, ask your dad or your oldest sibling or fucking Google it. MySpace was the peak of social media's potential, I think, and it was all downhill from there. Did that stop Christina Staplefeld, though? from making top-notch, interesting rock music and keeping our era alive? Shit no, dog. From her album on Bandcamp, this is Christina Stapefeld, and the song is called Head Forward Slash Heart, or Head and Heart, Head Heart. me He tells me all the time Can't see anyone around me When I look into his eyes But he only wants me when he's completely trash He only sees me I was curious to know 
what you're playing on your original music, that's called a vibraphone, right? What This is what you've been showcasing on Instagram and such. Yes. And mm-hmm. that falls under the hat of a mallet. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That is a type of mallet instrument. I mean, yes. you, you and I are both experts. This is for them, the listener. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> also, what is percussion? No, I'm kidding. One, one of the most interesting things that I've found like the first paragraph of your bio it mentions this growing field of mallet percussion and voice so that just made me curious because i i thought to myself i mean it it is a group of sounds of instruments if you're you know we're counting voice as an instrument Mm -hmm. but like it says you attended mallet lab 2018 and the first marimba voice festival in 2019 you would know way better than anybody i know the idea of (laughs) of it being like it's a scene it's a culture, but I'm just like, isn't it music and all of music's beauty and form with a chosen set of instruments? You know, rock isn't definably just vocal guitar and drums anymore. It's, I don't know. I, I'm just curious yeah. about it. I think it's beautiful sounding. I've heard your music as an example of it. So yeah, tell me all about it. That's a really interesting question. And honestly, I've never really like stopped to think of like how I titled that in my bio. And that's how I describe it to people a lot. Honestly, I think that classification is more from the fact that I came from a more classical background. When you're kind of in the classical world, I feel like there are subgroups and that are classified more by the instrument types, right? Even like really far back into classical music, like piano trios is piano, cello, and violin, you know, and things like that. So yeah, that definition definitely is me coming from a classical background and almost trying to appeal to, I guess it's really trying to appeal and explain to more the classical percussionist side of like, hey, I'm doing this thing where I'm also singing while playing percussion. And it's not like it's not accepted or anything. It's definitely accepted. And there's a couple of more famous percussionists, I guess I would say. Obviously, percussion in itself is a very niche field. So probably no one will know the the names that I'm going to throw out. But like Ivan Trevino is um, a very well-known percussion composer in the percussion world. And he released a songbook that's marimba, which is a different mallet instrument and vocals and singing and they're all pop tunes really they're uh, i think it's a set of five or six which is really cool but that definitely did not exist as like a thing people were performing like 10 years ago like it did in very tiny pockets but it's becoming much more mainstream and like if somebody in the percussion community was to run across my page they wouldn't probably think, oh, I've never seen this before. Most likely they'd be like, oh, she's one of the people that is really into vibraphone and singing. So to the rest of the world, I very much could be the first person that they've ever seen singing and playing a mallet instrument at the same time. It's definitely not normal in the pop music world, but yeah, within percussion, it's it's growing and growing and we're starting to leak into the more popular music world and outside of classical stages, which is very exciting. So that's really cool. Part of me was just like, like in some kind of like Harry Potter world, like a group of people coming up the hill and going like, we're the mallet percussion and voice gang. What's going on here? It's like, oh, yeah, we're the, we're the, we're the jazz ensemble. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. no, music school felt a lot like Hogwarts sometimes, you know? So. Oh, wow. I went to Mohawk College. I don't know if word of this place and its program spreads far and wide. I, I went one year to the prep music program at Mohawk College where, you know, you were either going to specialize in jazz or classical. And I just wanted to be like the Beatles. So I, I played Beatles songs and, and didn't yeah. do very well in the classes. And... <laughs> Um, a year later, they added a Beatles ensemble class where all you, oh the whole point was learning Beatles songs. <laughs> and I'm like, I could have gotten good grades and something. <laughs> um, and just wanting to like break down the idea of future desire and what the engine is. For example, I've talked with people on the show who come off to me as people who, who make comedy shows purely out of love for doing it. And we can spin a yarn on how that's either 
what they're content with more than that that brings them joy but then it's hard for them to be in a place where they know people who are incredibly quote unquote successful than they are or have been like there's an importance level given to mm-hmm. the idea of success the idea of making it etc to top off this yarn i'm spinning there are people i've chatted with that have made it and it's been a long time since that feeling of worthiness was fresh and then there's people that are just on a mission and want to talk with me about how they're making it and again making it success validations all completely abstract so in in saying all that by extension to anyone who might listen to this show how close to complete are you able to say you are at this moment like with what you're doing and how much of your conscious thought is celebrating what you've done so far and not necessarily the hypothetical future tense desire based thoughts i'll shut the fuck up and I mean, this is like such a common conversation for creative people, right? Creative people in any career path or even just in their their passion path, right? Not for not for money, not for any career success. And um, I guess since I like just graduated college, I'm just getting started and definitely don't feel like I'm finished by any means. I really wish I could sit here and say like, this is exactly like what I want to do and this is exactly what I want to accomplish and I'm definitely on that path but honestly I like I really don't know what my end goal is at this point and I mean I know it in the most general of terms I really want to have a creative lifestyle where I work for myself and I know that I have a large skill set in this world of music, not just as a performer, but as a composer and a songwriter and recording and producing. I know I have all those skills. I also know that they all need to be honed quite a bit to, you know, probably get the level of success that I want, I suppose. But even as I say that, but what is the level of success I want? I'm not really giving you (laughs) any direct answers at all. But yeah, I mean, I think like right now in this moment, I feel like I am nowhere near finished and maybe not even as directed as I want to. I am content with the work I've already done. It fluctuates day to day, though. Some days are really, really hard to feel really directionless and feel really confusing as to how to find direction. That's been a big theme of this year since graduating, and I think it's going to be a really big part of 2021 for me, too, to really nail down what I want to do musically and in my career to give myself more of a path instead of just, like, grabbing on to any idea that floats by me and trying it out, which is great for the purpose of learning about yourself, but as far as, like, really gaining traction and momentum it's definitely not the fastest way to do that yeah well i'm trying to find threads that like i can relate to in in different tenses aside from the fact that i I am purely listening (laughs) Uh, but my engagement with that is the idea that there's a great way to segue from this to to talking about the album you've been working on and in, in my experience i've i recall making one of the albums the entire thought during the making of it was like split between that moment in time. You know what I mean? Like the actual living in creating something and also thinking about the after and everything from someone else listening to it to, I don't know, the idea at that time of the album being a calling card or getting on the radio Mm -hmm. and the effect that I desired for it to have or hoped it might have. And it 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 was all very not there. Like, so my, my energy was being split between the moment and the possibilities. You know, at a later yeah. point in my life, I recalled the joy that I, I don't know, maybe like missed out on during the making of process. And you know what, just the making of it made me incredibly happy. So like a recording project that did after that, my energy was entirely devoted to the reward being in the actual process. Like... <laughs> That applied to gigs yeah. later on because like, I thought every gig, everything just felt like nothing more than a preamble to the next thing that I was hoping for. And then time passed, life happened. Those things that I was always... What, what's the album project called again? Uh, the how and the right. why. What were some of the main thoughts in your head like 
during tedious hours of post-production and crafting and finding the sonic presentation of it. The whole album project in general, because I've been writing my own music since I was like a sophomore in high school and had never really done anything with it besides I was in a band with two of my other percussionist friends my sophomore year of college. And I played guitar and sang for that band because I did not have my own mallet instrument at that point and was not really doing the mallet and singing stuff yet. I am a very mediocre guitar player, so that band was very okay. That was really the only way that I'd gotten my music out into the world, but I knew people had liked it and I knew I really liked working on my own music. I just decided, well, I don't know exactly what I'm doing after I graduate, but that would be a great year to get an album out just because I have enough music for this whole album. I might as well just have a project, like you were saying, like as a calling card to just like show the world. Uh, I'm sure I'll learn a lot from the process and I'm just going to kind of figure it out as I go. So I just started telling people like about this time last year that I was going to be making an album in 2020. And honestly, I had like zero plan of how I was going to do it. I just started telling people so that uh, there was uh, something keeping me accountable to do it and not get scared or like think it was too hard. I just had to do it because I told people I'd done it. So yeah, I really didn't write any of the music specifically for the album. All these songs were from my late high school years through my whole time in college. I went through to figure out, like, what's the way all these songs connect, you know? And obviously, the the time of life, I think, is like a big factor in why people are writing or creating the art that they're creating. So the title, The How and the Why, is because I feel like I used my college time and my late high school time, you know, learning so much about how to do things in my life, whether it was how to play my instrument or how to theoretically be an actual adult, which, you know, that's still debatable Hmm. if that has happened yet. But, you know, how, like, how, how to do all these things that supposedly mean you're progressing in life. I realized that I was like, you know, it's these last few years in college and for the foreseeable future, I will continue to learn the hows of my life. It's really time and it's been on my mind of figuring out the why of my life, why I'm doing these things that I'm doing. And there's not actually a song on the album that's called The How and The Why. There was maybe going to be, but it just didn't end up working. It's very much... So going back to what you originally said, I promise I'm circling back to that. (laughs) It's... um, I think I was very in the moment for most of the album making process, especially because most of the things I was doing, I really didn't know how to do. Like I knew how to play my instrument. I've recorded my own music before, but never on this scale of production. I knew that it wasn't going to end up being the most perfect album ever. I'm really proud with how it turned out. And I think considering that I've taken very few production classes and things like that. I do think I did a good job, but I just was forced to be so in the moment since everything was new. I really couldn't even allow myself to think forward to the future because I just had to figure it out what I was doing right Right. then. I kept telling people the end of 2020, it's actually going to release in January, January 8th. I actually haven't announced that anywhere yet. Up next is a Rosie Sircone original called 12 by Rosie Sircone. The first single released from the How and the Why, which I heard and bought on iTunes the day it came out. And it's a beautiful song. Dig it. We've got an hour to go on this long winding road. I've heard it's the longest around. But as long as the fog rolls by, are shaking I'm barely keeping awake except the low sweet ocean sound maybe it'll bring me back around 
What does it feel like, you know, the end of the 2010s to have made a proclamation on the website that is inaccurate to the series of events? Like, oh, my God, how, how dare you? You're going to be canceled for being <laughs> yeah, out of time. You know, I think people can feel like that. But, you know, my feeling was I was like, it's my website and it's my project and it will come. It's not that far off the timeline. I said, I think people understand. So, you know, I could choose the route of being really stressed out by missing my mark. But again, like I said, like everything was just so new and I had so many life changes this year that I couldn't expect. I could either be really upset with myself and feel like I failed, but really I'm just proud that I've done it and now I've learned more about my timeline and maybe not announcing my timeline um, long before I actually know how long something right. is going to take. So making the proclamation was a learning experience <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll wait on that in the future. But like, so certainly there's no lesson to be learned by the G GP or just like our species <laughs> to just acknowledge that mm -hmm. anyone who makes stuff is a human being. Stuff will always, n not always, <laughs> but life happens. Oh yeah. No, you're the one who had to learn the lesson about, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. I agree with you. I don't agree with the idea that people can't like forgive someone for being like, hey, I'm going to have an album out in June. And then July comes and you're like, actually, oh, yeah. it'll be October because, you know, some stuff came up. You're not yeah. allowed. Yeah. You're not allowed. No, you are. It's fine. But I'm, <laughs> I'm excited for you. I'm excited to hear more after hearing the song 12. Yeah. I could go yeah. anywhere from there. <laughs> I noticed that you listed on the methods of availability for the album. You're hoping to make CDs. That is something that has happened. Will they be available by the 8th? I am very much hoping so, but that is not a complete given at this time. Definitely available by the end of January. Hard copies of the CD will be available. Mm. I know that a lot of people don't buy hard copies of CDs, which is why I ordered a very limited right. amount. 
but I still wanted to. So Well, here's a why question. Why? I mean, you don't have to justify it to me, but I'm just I just want to know why you wanted CDs. Honestly, I am excited to one day actually have live shows again where I can sell things like merch and things like that. It does just give me a possibility of another stream Mm. of income. I imagine that stream of income will come in very slowly. To be completely honest, I have uh, some grandparents that will be very sad if there are no hard (laughs) copies of the CD, which yes, I could burn it for them, but that's definitely in part. Uh, Like, we'll see, like maybe I'll sell two and I'll be like, well, that was a waste of money. That'll be another learning experience. Mm -hmm. But I think also there's just something about it being my first album. I mean, the hard part about creating like digital art and things that is only like in this very intangible fashion is that you don't get that satisfaction of like holding it and feeling like you're owning it. I think I'm really excited for that moment because I love music and I love the fact that it's like really this shared experience and something that we can't hold on to. But I think it's just going to help me feel really proud of what I've done to see this true finished product. So yeah, that's a very specific and personal reason to order multiple copies of your CD. But I do think it's true, which I haven't really thought about before. There's definitely an emotional connection to yeah, it. All of that is the exact perfect... I, I mean, I know I say, I ask a lot of questions that are fairly open-ended, some of them nonsensical. I would say no no wrong <laughs> answers. There was no answer better than that. So if, if I were to ask anyone else and they didn't give me what you just said, they are wrong and their reason is not good enough. <laughs> yes. That is, oh, that was great. We were playing shows like for, in high school. The only people who seemed real to me were like with the people who had CDs. Online music was such a, an MP3, Napster, your friend's email. That was it. Yeah. And then, <laughs> And then five, six years later, I put out my own CD and like no one was going to get it on iTunes. Like you sample someone's song on MySpace, some low bit rate. I don't know. You could have one to five. (laughs) Yeah. Or, you know, the CD. When CD manufacturing companies for indie bands were thriving. And now like as of last year, some of the some of the main ones just said like we're no longer manufacturing shit or whatever. I don't know. Also, I just like remember I did get to go to quite a few shows as a kid and like my family buying the physical CD when you go to the show because it's just fun and it's exciting and part of the experience Mm -hmm. and I mean even if I can kind of like provide that experience to like one person and like it'll probably mean more to me than it'll mean to them if they decide to buy my CD at a show but that's pretty cool because that's diving back into the roots of just being a kid and enjoying music and live music and which is what got me interested in it all to begin with. So Right. Well what kind of um themes or life experiences drive you to write songs? I mean, I definitely draw from personal experiences. I haven't done a lot of writing like about a made-up event or anything like that. It mostly has to do with my own life. And I would say that I'm a very emotional person. I think my friends and my family and my boyfriend would all agree with that. Um, I'm red-blooded. I breathe air. I drink water. I'm just <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so I'd say mostly from really strong emotions. Mm-hmm. I know that lots of people draw from like specific instances. It's always been very important to me to know what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling it and be able to vocalize that. I'm trying to get more comfortable, honestly, with my emotions of like just letting them exist and be and not have a reason for that. But I also just find our emotional capacity as humans just super fascinating. And so I always kind of like to analyze my own. And so I'd say most of my songs start with like a very clear emotion that I'm feeling and I'll write from that. And so then maybe an instance that it's about, you know, maybe I can like, I can remember a time, like a situation that made me feel that same emotion and I'll start writing about that situation. But yeah, the core is all straight emotion. I'd say my songs are just kind of exploring that emotion. Mm -hmm. And one thing I'm trying to work on my own songwriting is, you know, telling more of a story sometimes. 
because I think right now, like a lot of the things that you'll hear on the album just kind of swirl around in a feeling, whether it's a feeling of loss or a feeling of self-discovery or a feeling of comfort. Does that answer your question? I think it does. Yeah, I, I, I see that there's like the content of your songs is meta. Your songwriting, w- while it's communicating something, is also communicating a study of itself. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'd say that's a good way to say it. I, I find that interesting because like most of the top 20 is just about fucking... It's just about being young and uh, we're going to die tomorrow. So let's all fuck tonight. It, we're at the club. This is <laughs> this is all that matters. This is all that exists. TikTok. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's it. And all right. You goodbye. know what? That is fine. <laughs> People who make art that are just like, you know, there are things that I'm interested in. If it's my own journey on levels that are maybe more thoughtful. I applaud you. I applaud yeah. you. Sorry. That's my roundabout way of saying I applaud yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And like you said, like, I love, like, a lot of mainstream pop music. So, like, there is nothing wrong for just, like, wanting to write a hit song because you want to write a hit oh, song yeah. and you use the tropes that work for that. Like, I foresee some of my, like, future work not going all the way to WAP. I don't think I'll ever write something like that. <laughs> hey, you that, have not um, heard WAP until you've heard it on that. Marimba, but, baby. But, like, that's true. That's a good point. And so um, so maybe I will. We'll see. <laughs> but I can definitely see elements of my music moving towards that because, like, it's fun to write something that a lot of people love, you know? Right. Like, I, I totally understand why that's a draw for people. And I hope that people will enjoy this album, too, and I hope a lot of people will love it in a different kind of quieter, more emotional way, you know? But um, the reason I started songwriting, I think, was because I had played music for a long time before I started songwriting in high school and I guess like late middle school too. But yeah, I mean, it really was like a study of emotion because it was kind of a study of my own emotion and me working through things in my own life. So songwriting is also just like therapeutic for me. But at the same time, like for it to be a good song in my mind is that I want it to not just be this really specific situation that happened to me to where it kind of isolates people. So I think my lyrics end up being more generalized and harder to tell exactly what it's about. Because when you write about the emotion versus the experience, that emotion is something so many people can relate to. Yeah, that's a very interesting point because that's something I feel like, I feel like there's no wrong answer. At the end of the day, it, it depends on what the artist wants, right? Yeah. There is valor, valor. I don't know if I'm saying it right and I don't even think that's the right word, but <laughs> there's uh, there's nobility in, in someone saying, I want to make something that a, a broad number can connect with mm-hmm. um, and anywhere from a shallow to a profound way. And then there's people who are saying, I want to make something very specific. And it's not in a selfish way. It's still for the same purpose of connecting, of someone being able to connect to it. Um, If if it's very specific to you, to find those other humans that relate to your exact experience and and have them not feel alone. I'm quoting Jonah Ray, quoting Charlie Kaufman. Good art is something that makes you feel not alone (laughs) or less alone. The idea that it can be specific or it can be general, but the whole point is that it's coming from a selfless place. I think that's a great point. And um, for some reason, there's something about, I guess maybe it's because the things that I like would want to relate to people about and talk about, I don't know. I think if I wanted, for me personally, just like as an as a human, not even as an artist, like if I really want to relate to somebody about specific things that have happened in my life, like... I actually just want to sit down and talk Mm. to them and have a conversation about it. And I'm not saying that's like the right or wrong way, but I think when it comes to art, I'm like, you know what? I want to let's connect through this emotion of it because music, it has this power to create emotion like it's super abstractly. And so to me, that just feels like the quicker route to connect in the best use of music so I think that's why I gravitate towards the more general side of connection. But like you said, neither way is wrong or right. It just depends on the person. So. Uh, well, I mean, two polar opposites on that coin. Uh, I'm, try- I'm <laughs> struggling to string words together. You know, you, you had... <laughs> 
to use the everlasting Todd's Beatle references, Paul McCartney was very much, you know, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't have to be a specific love song about Yoko. I'm just putting out a song saying, I love you. And then John's like, well, I'm going to put out a song about right. me and Yoko. And they were both beloved Beatles. I mean, there are camps and they have arguments on, and, I mean, just enjoy the music. I think it's beautiful. And that, and that's why, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're only scratching the surface on you and I getting to know each other as individuals, but that's the beautiful thing about having these conversations for me is that I like knowing what you as an individual are drawn to. There is no wrong answer between those two specific, mm -hmm. I don't know, places of songwriting. It's just like there's a how and the why to, to your approach. That's part of getting to know you. So Yeah. Here's a song by Chris Boyne's Sex Dwarf. It's a back in the day one. Speaking of MySpace, it definitely would have been on theirs. This is called Center of It All, and it's by Kitchen Waterloo's Sex Dwarf. I like it, and I'm going to play it now. I've heard so far. Your vocals on Rumspringa, legendary. 
And as is the song, which is coming from weird, a weird place in my life where I don't even want to yes. write about uh, my own experience anymore. I want to write about Channel 101 comedy shows. Which is great. <laughs> it, which is part of your experience. Yeah. Even when you're talking about your selfish writing, I put that in air quotes, I've just realized you can't see it. From ages 15 to 25, I mean, like, well, one, it's so common. And I think it's basically how anybody that starts songwriting starts. And it's, I don't know. I mean, like, all art's kind of selfish, right? Like, you're doing it because you want to do it. Like, I'm I, when I sit down to write a song, I'm not, like, sitting down to say, like, oh, how do I want to connect with people today? I'm, like, <laughs> sitting down because I'm, like, I want to write a song right now. Like, that sounds fun, you know? And then the, the outcome is that you figure out how it gets to connect with people or what you make, how, like, what things tend to resonate with people, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, no, I think that's cool. I do want to, because I felt like I was giving you a nice outro and it was very long. I wasn't thinking of it being a technical thing, but I was saying stuff. <laughs> but one of the things that I was struck by or find myself struck by based on what I'm reading, going back to the beginning of the convo for a sec, I was pointing out that you do a lot of stuff and I can't put it better than that right now. Mm-hmm. But, but <laughs> in, an, in an era where no wrong answers, I endorse that everyone explore their creativity I endorse that people buy a cheap guitar and, and go on YouTube and, 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 and start making stuff. I also have a deep fondness and appreciation mm-hmm. for the idea that people will put exquisite amounts of labor into becoming excellent at something. The idea that someone that I yes. hope people are still striving to get to a level of musicianship or writing or whatever that is invited to the conservatory in Toronto for a Canadian reference. I think Anushka mm-hmm. Shankar, Ravi Shankar's daughter, Nora Jones's half-sister, is like one of the only people in the world who knows how to play sitar on an academic level in the fucking world. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, couldn't be a more complicated style of music that I know of, that I know of. Um, I'm rambling, but I'm, I'm saying that like, you have put in like you're still still got so much future ahead of you. It's I, I the idea of that is delicious. I want to eat it like a sandwich, but you've done so much to show a dedication to the mastery <laughs> of and development of a musical style, playing a mallet instrument and singing. My question is: Are you aware of the idea that that is something that you consciously have chased? Or are you just a product of parents saying, well, you like music, we're going to put you in school. And then you just happen to take that path to now. I would say I really didn't consciously choose like the singing and vibraphone path until even like a year ago. I would say like I was doing it pretty regularly, probably starting like two and a half years ago. And what I mean by pretty regularly, making tiny little videos for my Instagram 725 in the morning before any of my other percussion classmates came to the school and so nobody could hear me uh, while I was like doing the same 45 seconds of a song over and over again <laughs> for Instagram. Um, like uh, that's uh, that's what I mean by doing it pretty regularly. Right. And so I wasn't like performing it and then I did a piece for my junior recital that I'd written. One that I'd written and one by Ivan Trevino, the marimba style and percussion composer I had mentioned earlier. Yeah, and then I just started to do it more and more and more. And then suddenly I was actually performing it a couple different times. So I I entered a songwriting competition that my the entertainment management program at my school was putting on. And so I got to perform for that. Um, We went on a tour with our wind ensemble around Montana and we did a couple of small group pieces. Would you say that you blew through town? Sorry. I I, I had to cut in and say that awful joke. (laughs) Oh my God. That's good. It needed to be said. So um, (laughs) there was just these like random performances I had through more and more of last year and I was putting more and more stuff on Instagram just because it was super super fun and then I also went to the 
first mallet and voice conference which was super exciting because it was just like a group of 25 people that also loved to do the same thing that i was doing and it was like oh my god there's other people that are doing this and like want to be doing this more and more i guess in the last year i've kind of decided hey i think i'm gonna dive into this more and make this my thing so to speak which is still um scary because I agree with you completely that it's so incredible to watch people develop levels of mastery on their instrument or their type of art. It's just so fascinating. And it's those are the artists you keep coming back mm. to, right? Because they're just so good at what they do. But also the program I came up in as a percussionist and just being a percussionist in general, you are constantly being told that you need to know how to play every single instrument super super well all through college i'm learning how to play vibraphone classical marimba and i'm supposed to be a better timpanist i'm supposed to know how to do all my auxiliary percussion instruments uh, i also play in jazz band so i'm supposed to be this great big band set player while also listening to all of the jazz music ever recorded to figure out how to be a better small group player <laughs> and, and jazz vibraphone and, and so, now you're going oh and now you're going yeah, to the list goes on and on and on start to feel a little thinly spread <laughs> yeah and so like you're just when you go into percussion, you're just like taught to be a generalist, like, but also be incredibly excellent at the instrument of right. percussion, which happens to be like 60 instruments. <laughs> and so it's, it's like kind of a little scary for me some days to like own the fact that I like want to have this like niche as a vibraphonist and a singer because it's only taking such a little part of what I learned like all these last eight years really from like high school and college you know but it also feels good and exciting because that level of mastery is definitely something I would love to be known right. for someday in a bigger way so it's definitely something you would yeah Again, not speak for for you, but like I, I think one who puts in, who has that kind of like discipline and tries to achieve that level, like it's something that should be appreciated about them. And I didn't mean any of what I was saying, like in a pretentious mm -hmm. way. I just think like there's no wrong answers. It, yeah, I, I, I always applaud, applaud slash implore that people <laughs> hopefully appreciate more people like yourself who have the passion to say, I'm devoted to being excellent at something. I, I, I strive to be above the level that I'm at today. And, you know, I, is there something that, that we could throw out there as a final statement that, that coming from you would, what would be your endorsement to someone? So I, I'm trying to figure out where I'm going with this. Is there something that you would like to say about the reward, <laughs> if any, that has come from your decision to... Yeah, like definitely devoting myself to doing the vibraphone and voice thing and doing it really, really well is definitely not a plan for short-term success or happiness. It is in some ways with, with the projects that I do, like the album, like I'll definitely experience a little bit of short-term success, like the day it comes out and seeing if people enjoy it and what songs they connect to the most. But uh, to be like truly mastering it, like that's years years decades down the line to feel like i'm doing that or if i ever oh, feel damn. like that for that matter it's not a glamorous process it's not a sexy process to like chip away at something <laughs> every day like our society wants to see people that are like doing big things every other moment and i think i definitely get caught up in that like that's what i should be doing but overall i think day to day if i can remember like what i'm doing is going to add up to something so big and something that you can only accomplish within a lifetime like that's a really amazing feeling and like a really amazing feat to have done something that you're like wow i could have only accomplished this level of talent or happiness really with with doing what i loved every single day and just getting a little bit better at it or maybe you maybe you're not you don't get better at it every single day. That's that's true. You do not get better at it every single day. But every day you put in the work does count for something. And um, yeah. And so I think it's just a 
it's teaching me a lot about long-term satisfaction and like, delayed gratification. Like, I earned that. Um, exactly, yeah. And I think what's cool is that you can stop at any point in the process and look back at where you've came from, you know, because I couldn't even look back from a year ago and be like, yeah, where I'm at now, I've earned that, mm -hmm. you know, like all of the work I've put into this, I've earned that. But then in 10 years, I'm going to be able to look back on now and be like, wow, I really fucking earned that. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. So it's cool. <laughs> it's really cool. I'm sure I've made like 50,000 closing statements and I've been a bit of a train wreck today, but I want to say that I'm sure I've long since crossed a threshold of having to reckon with the fact that like the age of people doing stuff that is not only fantastic, but like blows my mind is getting a little further <laughs> behind me. I mean, the fucking Beatles did everything they did in their 20s. The thing is, like, <laughs> I <laughs> I wanted to be younger than everyone who impressed me forever, and it, that couldn't happen. Your skill, your... <laughs> just the, the, the sound of your voice is awesome, and I love that... Oh, I love you. that you and your voice percussion cronies are in existence, and... Uh, <laughs> I can't, I can't wait for your album. So it's slated to come out in a few days. Yes. Um, thanks again for your time, Rosie. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation. So. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Todd Donald Show. Starring, produced, and edited by Todd Donald. The piano music in the rap is by J.P. Sunga, who you can find at jpsunga.com. The theme music is Mackie Alkino by William Chernoff. Find him at chernoff.band. And I'm Milo Axelrod, Todd's favorite bar none human voice. And I'm not bragging, he wrote this. If you'd like to hear more of my voice, check out my podcast, Describing a Rock, in which I describe some rocks. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Please support The Todd Donald Show by sharing it with anyone who might enjoy it. Follow and interact with at Todd Donald Show on Twitter and Instagram. And if you feel like going the extra mile on iTunes, please subscribe, rate, and review, preferably in its favor. Have a great day, friends. 